some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can always follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Always appreciate that. Appreciate all you guys. I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well in your lives. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Well, there's only one thing to talk about today, and that is that the Cleveland Browns beat the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night football in a riveting Exhibition 21 to 7. Yeah, I just thought I'd get quiet there for a second because obviously that's not the case. Everybody's talking about what happened in the last eight seconds or so of that football game when we saw one of the worst moments you'll ever see in sports when Miles Garrett took the helmet off of quarterback Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers and then used it as a blunt weapon with a full swing directly to the top of Mason Rudolph's head. He didn't connect flush. Had he done so, if he had he done so with the right part of that helmet, we could be having a really bad conversation here today. There are so many bad opinions on this all over the internet. There are people exposing themselves. There are people exposing just blind fan loyalty. There are people that are trying to claim how culpable Mason Rudolph is in this whole thing because they're looking at still photography. They're not looking at the moment as it happened. They're asserting that Mason Rudolph was trying to or did punch Miles Garrett in the crotch or kick him in the crotch. That didn't happen. Mason Rudolph got his hands tied up in Miles Garrett's helmet on the ground after Miles Garrett hit him a little bit late. It wasn't like the most egregious late hit you'll ever see. But then he was laying on him, leaning on him, and Rudolph couldn't get away from him. Didn't actually take his helmet off. But Miles Garrett then did take Rudolph's helmet off and struck him with it. And then, of course, it got in the end zone, and Marquise Pouncey ends up kicking Miles Garrett or kicking him in the head. And we know sort of what's happened since then. There is no defense of this, folks. I mean, zero. I have seen a lot of people try to get there, and they are failing. One act does not excuse the other, does not make the other okay. And there are actually people in the media, Mike Florio in particular, 
who decided this morning on Pro Football Talk that he would have the single worst take about this imaginable because there's nothing that Mike Florio cares about more than grandstanding about an issue. The issue at question for him is always going to be Colin Kaepernick because he's basically an activist. And even though Pro Football Talk is really more so a I'm going to repost what other people, other reporters have done. I'm going to put all that information up there to see. And, of course, Florio can get a scoop here and there, too. And some of the guys that that work for him can do the same thing. But the problem here is he also gets on a soapbox all the time. And when he does, he gets himself into big trouble. I don't know how much trouble he got himself into. It's just this is such a stupid comment. He tweets, Colin Kaepernick forfeited his NFL career for engaging in peaceful protest. Should Miles Garrett forfeit his NFL career for engaging in behavior that could have seriously injured or killed Mason Rudolph? What in the world? This is such grandstanding, such a straw man, such a... These two incidents are not the same at all. I have no problem. I'm not getting into Kaepernick here, although later on in the show... I'll let you hear my conversation from this morning on Fox Sports Radio with Alex Marvez and also with Joel Klatt, and and I did talk to Marvez about the Kaepernick situation. If you want to write about Colin Kaepernick, if you have takes that you just have to get out there, if you are an activist, if you are you a full-throated defender of him, as Mike Florio has been from the very beginning, then you can write about Cap. I've got no problem with that. I mean, those pieces are going to be there. I mean, whatever. You can make whatever case you want. You can make whatever point you want. That's perfectly fine. I'm not saying you can't. But don't backdoor that into this incident just to find a way to get your talking point out there that's completely irrelevant to this discussion. These two things are not equatable. I'm not going to talk about Kaepernick. I am going to say that what Miles Garrett did is completely indefensible in every way. To the extent that his own quarterback, Baker Mayfield, said that to Aaron Andrews after the game. And then Bruce Irvin and Tack McKinley in particular, I saw tweeted out. And what it was was Bruce Irvin tweeted out that Baker Mayfield had dry snitched on Miles Garrett. And then Tack McKinley responded basically saying, yeah, you saw that too. Baker Mayfield asked by Aaron Andrews about that incident said it's completely unacceptable. We know it's unacceptable. He knows it's unacceptable. That's not what we are, and he'll be suspended for that. And so they're angry at Baker Mayfield as if he's throwing Miles Garrett under the bus. The word snitch in there is unbelievable to me. Bro, guys, you don't have to snitch on something that millions of people saw in prime time on Thursday night football from a myriad of different angles, courtesy of Fox. We all saw it. Sometimes if you read part of a message, you've missed some of it. Sometimes you can doctor things. There's nothing doctored here. We saw this in pure context. Miles Garrett took the helmet off of Mason Rudolph and hit him with it. With as hard a strike as he possibly could. We're going to forget about one point about this here. And I saw people mentioning this. And this is a point, but it's not one that you should think about as it relates to intent. Mason Rudolph was knocked out of a game a handful of weeks ago. It hadn't been very long. He's just been back on the field, I think, for the last two games or the last couple. He was knocked out with a concussion, a severe concussion. 
So he's coming back from a concussion, and this is what Miles Garrett does to him. Now, I don't think that Miles Garrett was thinking about that. I don't think that, I mean, I assume maybe he knew that Mason Rudolph had a concussion, but I don't think that that was part of this. So I don't think that you can include that in here. I want to ask another question. Some people came at me when I asked this question this morning on Twitter and tried to change the goalpost, tried to move the goalposts on me. I need you to listen to this carefully. Those that are trying to defend Miles Garrett, you're wrong. You're just wrong. There is no defense of this. Zero. Period. There were people that were saying he should be banned from the game from the, for this. I think you can slow down on that. But I was talking to Clay this morning, Clay Travis this morning, and, and you know he said point blank that this is the worst thing since the Hainsworth incident. And this is worse than the Hainsworth incident to me. This is worse than anything Indominus Sue did. That's what uh, Sheree and Williams said last night on social media as well. You can't you can't find a way to defend this in any way. But if you are, pretend it's not Mason Rudolph. Pretend this is Drew Brees. Pretend it's Lamar Jackson. Pretend it's Russell Wilson. Pretend it's Aaron Rodgers. Pretend it's one of more clout a quarterback that you have some level of care for maybe you're not a fan of them but they are very very well known this is mason rudolph who just played a putrid football game in a losing effort and proved long before this incident last night that he's probably not it he's not the guy for the steelers he was terrible but he's mason rudolph nobody knows who he is there's no equity in him those that are defending miles garrett how many would be doing that if the quarterback were someone of note. And I'm just speaking hypothetically here. And don't retaliate by saying Russell Wilson would never do this. He would never put himself in this situation. Neither would Drew Brees. He wouldn't try to take Miles Garrett's helmet off or whatever. Throw that part out. I'm saying the person in the same scenario, would you feel differently about it? Would you have a different feeling about it if it was someone that you knew? Someone that mattered to the league. I know that sounds callous, but Mason Rudolph really doesn't matter to the league. Miles Garrett does. I mean, what are we talking about when we're talking about Chase Young at Ohio State? He's the best prospect defensively to enter the NFL since Miles Garrett. That's how good Miles Garrett is. He's a defensive player of the year level talent in Cleveland. And then he did something so egregious that. So many veterans of the NFL said last night they have never seen that on a football field. Ever. I can't I can't believe the level of just stupidity that people are, are just finding ways, trying to find ways to defend this. There is nothing here. And even if you think that Mason Rudolph was at some point in the wrong, and I'm not saying that he was totally innocent in this, that does not excuse what happened afterwards. There's just there's no justification whatsoever for that. If I punch you in the face, that does not give you the ability to then take a baseball bat to my skull. If I shove you, you can't shoot me. And those are some of the arguments people were actually making. These arguments are somehow almost as bad as the people that are def- that were defending. I remember being on the radio on the zone on a Saturday morning back in the sports trend days with David Reed and Brandon Hagney. And we were taking calls on the Ray Rice situation 
and people were defending Ray Rice. And that, I thought, was maybe the dumbest thing I'd ever listened to. And these are rivaling that. That's how bad these takes are. I'm going to say this one more time. Social media is not mandatory. I promise you don't have to say these things. You don't have to be heard on this issue. Live your life. Do not expose just a, a lack of nuance and a lack of awareness. A football field is not a place where assault is okay. That's the other thing. Just because you're on a football field doesn't mean that all the rules of life don't apply. This was not football. Listen to Marcus Spears. He said he should be suspended for an entire season next year on top of everything else. A lot of players are upset about this because it makes football look bad because the defenses also include, well, these kinds of things happen in football. No, the heck they do not. When we come back, Murphy Fair on tonight's high school action. We'll be right back. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the big six here on 104.5 The Zone, finishing up your work week. Well, there's one story, folks. There's one story in sports that people are talking about, and it's Thursday night football and has nothing to do with the fact that the Browns beat the Steelers. You heard what I had to say about Miles Garrett in the first segment. Coming up for the rest of the show, uh, you're going to hear what Alex Marvez had to say to us this morning on Fox Sports Radio about that. And also you're going to hear a little bit from Joel Klatt, who is very fired up about the college football playoff, especially as it relates to Minnesota. He's really good at what he does, so stick around for all of that. But right now we... Have to talk about high school playoff action as it continues here this evening. Murphy Fair on 104.5 The Zone has been with me all season and was with me last season as well. He's presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. All right, Murphy, I'm going to ask you where you're at, but just in case, and I don't know because you're so deep into high school, I wouldn't purport to, to, to assume anything, but did you see this Miles Garrett thing from last night? Because anybody I talk to today, I have to ask that question. If the answer is no, that's fine. But did you see what happened at the end of this Brown-Steelers game last night? I couldn't help but not see it. Uh, it while I was at the fitness center this morning, that was on all the TV sets. <laughs> and I thought, holy cow, I heard a little bit about it last night, but I didn't see any video until this morning. And I'm thinking, What's this game coming to? I mean, I still, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than I was able to see because I, I was too far away to hear what was on the on the TV. But just watching the video over and over, I'm trying to figure out what set that guy off because that's just, that borders on insanity. Uh, yeah, and it's going to border on real problems for him being on the field for a while. But there are going to be a lot of... A lot of high school young men on the field tonight. Where are you going to be? Which field are you going to be staring at this evening, Murph? I'm on the turf at Friendship Christian right now. Nice. Not far from kickoff. They're hosting Columbia Academy. Uh, Friendship, a team that was in the title game last year and trying hard to get back there again this year. And uh, this is the first year for Columbia Academy to be in Division Two. They started the season with a very difficult schedule. Uh, did not get into the win column very often. Uh, but the second half of the of the season, uh, when they were playing more of the smaller Division II schools, with us, was another story. And uh, 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 Charlie Lancel's got his Bulldog football team playing pretty well right now, uh, a fairly young football team because they had so many seniors last year. But I look for this to be a, a pretty good game. 
the winner of this one gets the winner of BGA ECS, uh, which uh, is being played in Memphis. And that one's a very interesting game, too, because Jonas Rodriguez, the first-year coach at BGA, was the second-year coach at ECS last year. So I know he's got mixed emotions about both of the teams that will be on the field with him tonight. Well, we're going to move around and look at some of these other games. And, yeah, you're right. That should be a really fun one. 5A, Summit at Page. That's 9-2 and two versus 10-1. and one. We know how good both of those football teams are. I think a lot of what we're about to say over the next handful of minutes, there's going to be a lot of close ball games tonight because there's not a lot of a lot that separates these teams. But how do you see Page? Maybe maybe this comes down to the fact that Page gets to play this you know, on their field, in their building, in front of their maybe more of their fans than Summit, certainly. But that's going to be a whale of a football game here in about a half hour. Well, well it's funny. I talked to uh, Summit coach Brian Coleman last weekend after their exciting game at Gallatin, and, and he said he's uh, thinking seriously about uh, taking the taking the boys to uh, Page High School and making them sit on the bus for two hours like they had to last week. Uh, to to score a win, but yeah, this one this one's got all the makings of being a, a classic football game. I think Page won by a couple of touchdowns earlier in the in the season, like week two or week three. Um, but uh, Summit is much healthier tonight uh, than than they were during most of the regular season. They've got their quarterback back. Uh, the Walker kid for Page is an outstanding quarterback who is a who is a recent pick for the East West All Star game. They think so much of him. They uh, uh, had another kid drop out, and he was the, he was the first alternate on the list. So I know he's got to be excited about that. And I just look for that to be a packed house, rabid fans on both sides. And I mean that in an affectionate way. I had somebody take notice uh, to my calling fans rabid, and I was just trying to describe how excited they were. But nonetheless, I think it'll be a great atmosphere tonight. Yeah, you talk about Cade Walker. He's thrown for over 1,700 yards, and you assume that – He's going to continue to play well tonight. Another quarterback playing well is Ravenwood, Brian Garcia. He's actually over 2,000 yards. He's 2,278 yards with 30 touchdowns. He's only thrown four to guys in the opposite jersey. Ravenwood at Cane Ridge. These teams have already seen each other once this year, but they saw each other in the elements. If you recall that one week that you, well, maybe it's a couple weeks, but one week I remember in particular you were not going out because it was basically monsooning <laughs> all across the state. Ravenwood won that right. game 28-15. to 15. It was kind of ugly, so the offense was a lot more at a premium. You assume Ravenwood probably can score more points tonight. I don't think Kane Ridge is strong enough to beat Ravenwood, but do you see this potentially being close? I, I feel like Ravenwood's the better team of these two. I think as the Garcia kid goes, so goes Ravenwood. Um, in my mind, he's one of the big big uh, misunderstandings uh, at quarterback in the mid-state. The, the kid can play. The kid can win. He's got a great arm, but he doesn't fit that mold that Power 5 conferences want. They want a 6'3", 220 guy. Yeah. Um, and, and I would love to have that guy on my team because he's very special. He does an outstanding job. And if he has a big night, it's going to be a long night for Kane Ridge. I'm going to be at Beach, Jonathan Hutton and I, on my TV 30 tonight calling Shelbyville, who only has one defeat on the season against the Buccaneers. They are undefeated. This, on the other hand, and what you just said, yeah, it could be close, but I think Ravenwood's the better team between those two. This one could go either way, and this could easily be one of those games that's won late in the fourth quarter by whoever has the football is able to control it uh, down the stretch. I agree. There's four teams in that particular quadrant, 
and between the four of them collectively, they have three losses. Uh, some great, great football teams, and uh, two of them are not going to advance beyond tonight, and that's going to be a, a, a tough situation. I think that'll be a great ball game. Uh, Beach is one of those teams that with the right set of circumstances, they could go all the way to Cookville three weeks from tonight. Uh, Shelbyville has not gone that far before, uh, but Coach Palmer has got those, Justin Palmer's got those kids playing awfully well, maybe the, the best team uh, Shelbyville's had in his brief tenure there. But uh, all of a sudden, Shovel is not just a girls' basketball town. It's a football town, too. And uh, uh, I have to congratulate him for the great job he's done the last three or four years there. Murphy Fair, our guest here on the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. How much chance do you give Independence at Brentwood? Independence lost that game by 17. It was it was 24-7 to when they met in the regular season. These are two programs that know each other exceedingly well. That much we know Brentwood's really good. Even at 9-2, and two, they had a tough schedule, and they played people tough all year long. I don't know that Independence has the offense to score against Brentwood to the level to beat them, but how do you see that game going? They probably don't, but they've got a quarterback by the name of Cash who uh, uh, is outstanding. Yes. Another great quarterback in Williamson County, and if he has a big night, he could make life a little bit more difficult for Brentwood than they would like it to be. I think Brentwood has a little more depth. Ron Crawford has more guys to run in and out, and uh, and that may be the difference in the ball game. But if the Cash Kid has a big game, uh, I know Coach Blade, the head coach at Independence, is going to be a really excited and happy guy uh, about 9:30 tonight. But I think Brentwood probably wins that one, and, and I think Brentwood's got as good a chance to go to the Blue Cross Bowl. Uh, as any on that lower part of the bracket. Uh, Whitehaven's very good. Houston's very good. Ravenwood's very good. But so is Brentwood High School. So um, keep an eye on them, uh, not only tonight, but I think throughout the rest of November and into uh, into the, the last week of the season. One more, Davidson Academy hosting DCA. Now, DCA was a winless team, and now Paul Wade's in his second year, and they've won eight games. As, as as you know, and you know all these coaches so well and you talk to them during the offseason, got to be impressed with what he's been able to do in a short time there. I knew it wouldn't take very long for Paul to turn that program around. Um, that's where Paul began his coaching career uh, under Coach uh, uh, Dennis Goodwin, who's now the athletic director there. And, and he's the one that went after Paul Wade because he knew what he could do with that program. And uh, when I feel that when I wrote the story about DCA uh, a year ago, I never saw so many five seven and five eight and 130 and 140 pound kids as there were uh, coming back to that DCA Wildcat team. Uh, but Paul has worked them in the weight room. Uh, he's put his arm around them and and let them know that he cares. And that's a pretty good football team. They beat some good teams during the regular season in, in Division II single A. And uh, this this could develop into a great rivalry because DCA and DA are not very far apart. And uh, I look for this to, to be a knockdown drag out. And Paul may work his magic. And as cold as it is, uh, I'll bet money that he'll be wearing shorts tonight on the sideline. Yeah, you will not, though, I would imagine. You will You no, will be bundled no. up. All right, well, well, I imagine you are now. I know you're down there already, but we'll catch up with you next week. Should be some fun action tonight, and uh, 
We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if we get any upsets tonight. You start to see the cream rise to the top at this point. You got Mr. Football players all across. You know, you got semifinalists all across a lot of these games. But wherever you are, wherever you're listening to us and wherever you're on the way to, you're probably in for a fun evening. High school football at this point is hard to beat. It gets down to uh, uh, who wants to play and who wants to go to the house after uh, after last week so uh, they're all they're all championship games in a lot of people's mind from here on out all right murph take care have a good weekend thank you Jason. you too appreciate it that's murphy fair presented by ascend federal credit union when we come back conversation that jeff schwartz and i had this morning with alex marvez a lot of it about miles garrett and a little bit about colin kaepernick stick around this is the big six on 104.5 the zone Welcome back to the Big Six presented by Renner's Warehouse here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host on Twitter at jmartzone. This morning, you heard the first hour of the program before the wake-up zone. Jeff Schwartz and I were in for Clay Travis on Outkick, the coverage. We had a chance to catch up with our good pal Alex Marvez, who, of course, does serious NFL radio as well as works for AEW, which I talked about with him for a couple of minutes also. But this Miles Garrett story and Colin Kaepernick, two stories that will carry this weekend most likely there's going to be so much said and so much written about those two issues alex had great takes like he always does on those so here is our conversation in case you missed it with alex marvez about this miles garrett craziness as well as the colin kaepernick private workout tomorrow so the miles garrett incident have you ever seen anything quite like that uh, I've seen crazy things through the years. I, I can't remember a guy just fly. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, and I'm sure I've seen it. I mean, I've done this 25 years, but at the NFL level, I, I can't remember a guy swinging it like that. And, and of course, you know, look, I, I mean, it, there's no excuse for it, right? And, I mean, Miles Garrett said it himself after the game. The guy completely went nuts, ripping a guy's helmet off like that, you know, and then swinging it the way that he did. It's going to cost him a lot of money. It's going to cost his team. I mean, it's just it, – and it's the type of thing, too – you know, you have to think – I'm thinking about this six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Miles Garrett's a great player. I mean, he really is. I mean, you're talking about yes. someone, a potential defensive player of the year here. And what we're going to remember him for now is for this, right? Until the narrative changes and he, he either wins an NFL defensive MVP or he gets to a Super Bowl. No, they're the Browns. Sorry, forget it. So until he wins an NFL <laughs> MVP, what do we got for Miles Garrett? This is how the man is going to be remembered. And, you know, he did this to himself. I understand that. It's going to cost his team. It's a terrible situation. I mean, but, you know, it's going to lead to all sorts of other offshoots of this. I see you guys on Twitter, uh, you know, responding to comments about, uh, you know, how people are trying to tie this into Colin Kaepernick and things that are completely unrelated. Oh, that is the social media world that we live in today and how people try to generate attention for themselves in, our, in the profession. I get it. I understand that. It was a guy who ba – it's basically a wham-bam type of incident. I don't think it had been building. It's someone who just made a huge mistake who couldn't keep their cool, and it's going to cost him not only in the pocketbook and not only cost his team, but it cost the guy his legacy because the first thing you think of now with Miles Garrett isn't sack production, isn't being the number one overall pick in his draft class, it's a guy swinging a helmet who could have killed somebody. Yeah, one thing that Miles Garrett actually said after the game was, a win is a win, this shouldn't overshadow the win. Maybe it shouldn't, <laughs> but that's an unbelievably naive statement from Miles Garrett because nobody's talking about what was almost an unwatchable football game at times last night. What do you think of the defense that's out there about how Mason Rudolph had this coming from what he did and he's just as in the wrong and he should be suspended just as long? I find this to be preposterously ridiculous. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, look, at and, you know, where it should have ended, look, and not like I'm Miles Lane or a famous uh, referee, Rick Knox, we'll say, from the uh, AEW ranks. But, nice, you know, nice. Not like I'm, yeah, thank you, nice crossover plug, right? But, I mean, you know, not that I'm, I'm out there, you know, trying to judge a fight or anything, but once he had ripped his helmet off, and you're getting pulled back by your teammates. That was sort of it, right? I mean, that's when Correct. you got to let it go. They were at each other's helmets, and, and you understand that. But to think, are you going to swing a helmet? Is that what you're really going to do against a guy who's not wearing something covering his head like that? Is this really what you're going to do? And he did, and he snapped. I don't think there's any – there's just no provocation to think. There's no excuse for this. And even Miles Garrett in the interview that I saw in front of his locker room didn't try to make excuses for what he did. He himself said it was inexcusable. So people could try to step up and say, oh, Mason Rudolph you know, was trying to rip off his helmet. There might have been a shot to the groin, et cetera. I thought first, Miles Garrett, if you look at the play, he held him down a little bit at the end of that sack, yeah. right? I mean, yes. you know, he was trying to put a little bit of mustard on that hot dog. So, you know, I mean, it started there. It disintegrated from there. Miles Garrett going to pay a heavy price. I just don't understand. Just oh man, NFL like people that actually play in the NFL are defending this. I just oh my, it blows my I mind. Know. I know, I know. Even well, I saw Charles Woodson just tweet out, "What about both sides? What both sides?" It was an NFL fight that happened, and then it was right. over. And then Garrett hit him in the in the head with a helmet. Do we understand what happened? Like people are are acting like Mason Rudolph is is some big hulking like NFL <laughs> player who was. The threat to to big old Miles Garrett, and poor Miles Garrett, guys. Alex, I I think he should be suspended for the year. I think that, and, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. That having this happen on national television, I think makes it worse. Obviously, it would have been terrible if it happened in a one a one p.m. or you know, a ten a.m. game, but it feels like national television. And this is what we're talking about on Twitter now the entire day. I mean, any, even until tomorrow, there's not you know m- many great college games tomorrow. It feels like the, the, this happening the way it did on national television will make the punishment for Garrett even worse. Well, you know, it's interesting because I wonder how many people even saw it live. Like, like I'll be honest, I, I'm Thursdays after after the the you know wrestling stuff I do. A lot of times I go to bed, I tape the game, you know, DVR it. I wake up at at five a.m. and then I start watching it to make sure that I'm prepped for what I do yeah. here on Outkick, right? So I'm wondering how many people are just waking up today to this news. Because really, you know, as, as J-Mark pointed out, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, this wasn't exactly an epic NFL contest that we're going to be talking about for weeks to come in terms of the play on the field. Dreadful game. Cleveland's basically just running out the clock here. I just wonder how many folks clicked off, you know, and now are just watching it again on social media. I don't know. For example, I, I really would need to see the viewership numbers to tell you how many more people were watching this game. Jeff, it may have even been less than a Sunday game. To be honest with you, from a national television right. perspective, it all blew up. And listen, I get it. There's people on the West Coast and no, you know, East Coast bias. It happens all the time, right? I mean, you've had to experience that as a West Coast man yourself now living in the East. But so you get it. I mean, for a lot of us, you know, we would have gone to bed. And then you wake up and you're like, what happened at the end of that game? Especially like eight seconds left. Why would I still be watching this unless I have money on this game or it affects my fantasy football team? There's no reason to. So I wouldn't say that. I would say that at no matter what, this thing would have blown up. It's a man swinging a helmet at a, at a quarterback and clocking him in the head. And kudos to Fox for the great camera work because they caught it. Right, And, I mean, you're going to see this swing on television ad nauseum for weeks to come, days to come, until it gets knocked out of the news cycle by something else. We'll see if someone can one-up this down the road. But it was, it was, no, it was disgusting. It, it's just, and it is indefensible. Please. Um, 
Do you think there's punishment uh, for Rudolph here? I, I think Pouncey will, will be suspended for kicking Garrett in the head at the end. I think the, the punching stuff, probably not suspended for that. But the kick at the end, he'll be suspended a game or two. Um, any punishment for Rudolph more than probably a fine? You'd probably just a fine if, if yeah. that. I mean, what what did he? What did Mason Rudolph do besides allow his head to get clocked? I mean, you know, you talk about defending yourself. Larry Ogunjobi, does he get a game for doing yeah. what he did, shoving Rudolph from behind? I mean, and they'll go through the tape, and there'll be a zillion fines. And you know, look for the Browns. I mean, this this is just the, the guy who loses the most about all this. Beside Miles Garrett, it's Freddie Kitchens. Because Freddie Kitchens, it's been talked about, the lack of discipline on his team, the penalties, the, the fact that there's so many little things that happen in games that his team just isn't sharp, you know, about. And even, you know, you heard uh, Sam Bradford tell – or Sam Bradford, I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield. Jeez, where did I get Sam Bradford from? Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, pointing out to Aaron Andrews, uh, you know, what would you do differently if you had to start the season over? And he said, pay attention more to the little things. That falls that. on the head coach, a head coach who doesn't command the respect, apparently, of his players. That's the problem when sometimes when you have an assistant coach who becomes a head coach. You're not just one of the guys anymore. You're the, you have to be the bad guy. And I don't think Freddie Kitchens can be the bad guy. And this is something that John Dorsey has to take a look at. Look, of course, any coach that you hire has, and Jeff, you know this firsthand, you have to command respect from your players, have support from team management, but you can't just be put in the position that's like, oh, well, he's the head coach, so we're going to automatically follow what they do. No, you have to have a presence about you. You have to be demanding. You have to be, you have to be that guy that the players hate sometimes because you, you are trying to instill discipline and have a smooth-running team. The Browns are not a smooth-running team. And Freddie Kitchens, I think when you look at the, the whole body of work, as the Browns are likely to miss the playoffs this year, and John Dorsey sits back at the end of it, he's got to ask himself, did I make the right decision hiring Freddie Kitchens? Can he grow into that guy, or is he just never going to be that? I want to ask you about those Baker Mayfield comments. I they. Some things that, that some of these young quarterbacks say, like Mr. Trubisky in public and Baker Mayfield in public, like, guys, you don't have to admit everything that happens, like, that you think in right. your head. Um, I, I cannot believe he said that we thought this would be easy this season, which is what, by the way, I've said for seven months now. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> um, I, I just, why would you admit that? Like, just, just I'm, t- I, I'm so tired, and this is the social media culture we're in. I get it. Guys are way more open now. Just go win football games. I do not – no one cares about the excuses, guys. Go out and win games. I'm just – I'm tired. And I think – I think Mayfield's never going to grow out of this. This is who he is. And by the way, who he is is not a very good quarterback right now. Right. What was your take on him admitting that they thought the season w- was going to be easy? Look, the media relations department, as you know, Jeff, you sat through these meetings, right? They try to point out what to say, what not to say because of the trickle-down effect of what a player says. And Baker Mayfield, from the heart, you know, is, is speaking honestly, right? And there's something to be, that's commendable to a way. But when you think about it, what do, what do those statements do? Well, it casts a lot of people in a bad light, right? And, and you know, that's the whole thing about it, the, the, the bombs that he sets off at that point about, well, then why isn't Freddie Kitchens enforcing this? Why isn't the quarterback's coach making Baker Mayfield play better? Because Baker Mayfield's been bad this season. He has regressed. You know, and, and it causes you to take a look at a lot of things that have been going on with the Cleveland Browns. I, I just I think that what has to happen is you just got to have it as a media relations staff. You got to show players examples of what it is that that you know statements that were said that might be innocent or trying to be honest. But then what happens with the fallout? On the flip side, and you know, as as a journalist, you know, I, I would tell you I, w- I love to get honesty from players, and, and I respect it. But again, from a team standpoint, it, it's not it's not helping the Cleveland Browns. And boy, oh boy, is this a team that needs help after all of that preseason hype. Alex Marvez, our guest here on Outkick the Coverage. Follow Alex at Alex Marvez. Alex, what's your take on this workout for Colin Kaepernick tomorrow? Everybody's got to think peace. 
everybody's got to take one way or the other. But how do you see this in terms of what the NFL is attempting to do? And do you think that this is going to amount to something for Colin Kaepernick? It seems like there might be a little bit of interest, but do you think this ultimately gets him back on the field? It could. I mean, and you know, here's the reason why. If and I think this this just may be just team think. And again, it's been so weird to try to get an answer from the NFL about this, and my sources have really sort of clammed up on this. But let me just say this: if you're that one team that brings in Colin Kaepernick for a workout, then it becomes you know polarizing for your team, for your fan base. Yeah, I don't even think your team. I don't think most players care. I think it's for your fan base, though. It starts to generate things, and then you you put the quarterback on the hot seat automatically, right? Why are you working out Colin Kaepernick this way? Since it's a, a universal workout, anyone can attend. What's the easiest thing for a team to say? Oh, well, we're doing due diligence. Of course, we're going to be there. It doesn't hurt to take a look at a player who may be able to help our club. The whole thing, though, this goes so far beyond though Colin Kaepernick getting signed by an NFL team. Because what's going to happen once Colin is there? The expectation is in him sitting on the bench, right? Right. Yes. The expectation is always going to be any time the starting quarterback screws up, oh, well, it should be Colin Kaepernick because he deserves to start. And, be, and you know, that type of thing goes on with it. So, look, and that's why I think some teams are gun-shy. I don't think it's so much the, you know, look, some can handle the fan base that some fans are just simply going to say, I'm not going to support this guy and I'm not going to attend games and I'm going to cancel my season tickets and all that sort of stuff. And commercial sponsors, if you have any that, that aren't into it, that, you know, if they, if they haven't left the NFL already after 2016, maybe that's a thing that, that pushes them away from the product. But it just sent, it's just like one of these things that you bring someone in who you think is a backup player but everyone else outside the organization thinks they're a starter and you really start to undermine what you have going on at the quarterback position so we'll see how the guy looks I mean look is he is he probably good enough to play in the NFL Uh, you know compared to some of the other quarterbacks we have of course we get all that we understand why Colin Kaepernick isn't playing in the NFL in the NFL well, interesting story by Mike Jones of USA Today, how JZ helped pave the way for this. The NFL, very conscious about trying to make sure that things are right in the league. By the way, where 70% of the players are African American. And I should point out, by the way, you know the NFL trying to get this new labor deal done, right? So they're trying to extend olive branches to everybody. I mean, they haven't even really gone, you know, all the, you know they're shorting some suspensions. They're not really, like, looking to hammer players right now on certain things when it comes to personal conduct. The league is trying to get this labor deal done because they know there's so much more money coming with television rights. Once they get a gambling partner and they're able to advertise that during their games, and if they're able to get a small percentage of each time a bet is made, even if it's 0.05% or, you know, something to that effect, I mean, the teams are going to never be more valuable. That's why they want to lock the PA into something now. So there's a bigger picture issue you have to take a look at here besides just this all of a sudden benevolent decision by the NFL to give Colin Kaepernick a platform that no other quarterback, no other player in the NFL has given. They didn't do this for Johnny Manziel when he was looking for a job. They didn't do this for anyone else. And by the way, teams could invite Colin Kaepernick anytime they want to work out for them. There's no ban on Colin Kaepernick. He is an unrestricted free agent. If a team was all that high on Colin Kaepernick, they could have signed him this week. They could have scuttled the workout. Other question is, too, what is Colin Kaepernick looking for financially? Is he looking for for starter money is he willing to play for a minimum with in-game incentives we, we don't really know and you know because Collins camp and Colin himself have been so silent about what it is that he's exactly looking for in an NFL team who knows if he's even been offered something but just didn't take it because the pay wasn't there that's Alex Marvez make sure you follow him by the way on Twitter at Alex Marvez he is just an unbelievable dude and really good at his job when we come back Joel Clad also chatted with us this morning on Outkick about the college football playoff rankings. We'll we'll, uh, let you hear that next. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. 
Final segment of the program, we're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse here on the Big Six. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So that was what Alex Marvez had to say to me this morning. Joel Klatt and I and Jeff Schwartz, we discussed the college football playoff rankings and what's to come. And Joel does this about as good as anybody, of course, Fox Sports and XFL now, as well as college football analysts. Here is what Joel had to say, and especially a really impassioned plea on behalf of the bogus nature of the AP polls and how that has really harmed where Minnesota finds itself. I think you'll find this interesting. And we let off by asking Joel whether he thinks, based on the rankings this week, we're going to see two SEC teams in the playoff. Well, not necessarily, because I don't know how this committee is going to value conference championships. That's the one unknown that we have every single year. Is like, how does this committee, this makeup of the committee, value conference championships? Um, and, and we don't know. We don't know how close they actually were comparing Alabama and Oregon at 8-1. and one. Was the comparison between Alabama and Georgia? Was the comparison really between Alabama and Oregon? Um, those are things that we just don't know what's going on in the committee room. So uh, I'm not sure. Uh, how this committee is going to to value this. I know that they're incredibly inconsistent. Um, the fact that, you know, they're, they clearly are using, like, wins over non-wins in terms of, like, hey, Georgia's beat, you know, more quality opponents than Alabama has. So maybe that's why Georgia's four and Alabama is five. And yet, here's the problem with that theory, is that Minnesota is eight by the committee's own rankings, Okay. They're undefeated, and while their schedule has not been difficult, and I'll be the first to admit that, they have the second-best win of any top-10 team in the committee's rankings, by the committee's own rankings. You know, I mean, they beat number 9 Penn State. That's that's the second-best win. LSU beat Alabama. Minnesota beat Penn State. Those are the only two top-10 teams that have a win over a currently-ranked top-10 team. So – it's just inconsistent. It's been this way for the entirety of this process with the college football playoff committee. It's one of the things that I think is most flawed in our entire sport is that this committee doesn't have concrete criteria. Um, that I wish that they did. They don't. It's very subjective. I understand that. And then back to like the, the conference championships, I just, I just don't know how they're going to value them. And every year, my hope is that they value them a great deal. Because I, I really believe that it devalues college football, it devalues the regular season, and it makes it worse when we allow two teams from the same conference in, when we allow non-conference champions into the college football playoff. I understand that you think that they're quote-unquote one of the four best, but Alabama had their chance, right? Like, they had LSU at home and lost. So how is it fair to LSU if we make LSU play one more football game than Alabama and still allow Alabama access to the national championship, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I do think that the lack of respect Minnesota and Baylor has gotten um, with being undefeated in the Power Five is pretty astonishing. And yet here we are, and we just constantly, regardless of what any SEC team does, they're given excuse after excuse. I mean, for God's sakes, Georgia is the fourth-ranked team in the country by the committee's rankings. They lost to South Carolina and just got beat by App State. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there, there's, I don't think that there's any way that we can go 
or continue on in college football with this amount of subjectivity because the, the bias, the subconscious bias, the subconscious bias from the AP poll earlier in the season from preseason rankings, it bleeds into this. Everyone tells me, like, oh, the AP poll doesn't matter. Why do you get so upset about it? Well, let me tell you why. Because if Minnesota started the year ranked 15th, they wouldn't be eighth right now. They would be third. They would be fourth. There's no question about it in my mind. So that's why I've always maintained that preseason rankings are terrible for college football. The AP poll is terrible for college football because it's largely an uninformed poll. We still have people in the AP poll voting Clemson number one. Now, I think that that's, that's more okay now than it was four weeks ago. But four weeks ago, we had like, I think it was 11 AP voters voting Clemson number one, and they had done nothing except beat North Carolina by one. So uh, all I'm trying to say is, is the subconscious framework that we watch football is also the framework that the committee members watch football during the course of the season. There's no way that you can tell me that if Minnesota was ranked even 20th to start the season, that they wouldn't be at a minimum fourth right now. But the fact that they were unranked, that this came from nowhere, that they weren't ranked until week, what, four, five, or six, right. then all of a sudden now they're ranked eighth. You know, so the burden of proof is on Minnesota for no other reason than we didn't think they were good coming into the year. That's not, I mean, think about that. That's just terrible. Like, why is this our system? So that's Joel Klatt. My thanks to him and Alex Marvez for joining me this morning. My thanks to Murphy Fair for joining me this evening. And my thanks to you guys, as always, for joining me. Jason Martin Show Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio right at 2 a.m. You'll hear it right here on 104.5 The Zone. Until then, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.